0: Well, good morning, Hillcrest. Uh, It's good to be back with you. It's been a minute since um, the fall when I was last here, but I'm always grateful to spend time here at Hillcrest. Um, You know, that putt-putt on Friday, it looks pretty fun, and that's actually um, just a few blocks from my house. So I don't know, I might have to crash your party then, too. So as you mentioned, my name is Lexi, and I have an addiction. And it's actually taking college classes. It's actually a a good addiction to have in my field because there's so much to learn about scripture, right? We could learn and learn and learn, and there's more to learn. But over the past 20 years of taking various college classes, I've learned something pretty important about knowledge. And it's this, knowledge is overrated unless it leads to a change in behavior. Knowledge unhinged from reality is quite literally useless. It really is. And to connect it back to this Likewise series that you're in right now, knowledge is kind of like a sitting duck on the waterway of life in the middle of hunting season, a.k.a. it is dead, unless you apply it to your life. Each day, in fact, every hour of the day, we are making decisions that are either wise or foolish. And how we make those decisions, it matters. So today, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite fruit of the Spirit, (laughs) self-control. That was actually a little reaction because I got nothing from first service. So that's awesome. It's not often our favorite fruit of the Spirit, is it? So um, we're going to start where we should always start, and that's in Scripture. So let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, and we're going to look in the NIV, and then I'll bring in another translation for us. So NIV says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Now, some of the older translations, they translate that turn of phrase slightly differently, which is expected. But let's take a look at the New King James Version. And this says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So rule over one's own spirit is used here instead of self-control. And I do think that's an appropriate translation as well. Now let's take it all the way back to the original language and I'm gonna share some of that with you. So this word spirit is ruach and you've probably heard that before in past sermons but it is a seat of emotion all right and then walls that is coma, which is a wall of protection so self-control is the equivalent of a wall of protection around our emotions. I think that's a really good definition for us to use today. You know, sometimes we think about self-control as being the things that we do or don't do. And that is true to a certain extent, but those things are triggered so often by emotion. When we don't have control over our emotions, it's like the doors, the windows, the walls are kicked down, and anyone can come in, and things can go out. So without wisdom and discernment, a wall of protection, our inclination is actually towards excess, excess things coming in and going out. Think about it. When we have our emotions out of control, we want excess food. I love ice cream when I'm being emotional, right? Excess drink, excess love, excess power, excess money, so on and so forth. So without those windows or doors on our house, Or walls around the city, which is the example used here, because they had to have walls to protect their cities back in Bible times. Anything can go in or out with very little control. Now, let's look at our second scripture for today, because I think it speaks of that excess that we grasp for, and then what we should be going after instead. So again, we're going to start in the NIV, and I'll bring in another translation. So Proverbs chapter 23, verses 19 through 21 And then I added in verse 23 as well for some context. So here's what it says. It says, listen, my son, and be wise, and daughter, and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight... As well, we kind of live in a society where it's just like feel all the things and do all the things, right? And we live kind of like we just paid twenty dollars for the all-you-can-eat buffet, and we're just going to get all we can out of it, aren't we? We're going to go back for seconds. We're going to go back for thirds. We're going to get dessert, maybe second dessert, right? That's how we sometimes approach life, and in our society, that tends to be encouraged until it gets out of control, and then suddenly it's a shameful situation. So. Let's go ahead and listen to the same passage in the message version, because for me, this really started to pull together this idea of self-control and walls safeguarding our emotion. So hear this. Oh, listen, dear children, become wise. So to use your definition that Pastor Nate is using, apply knowledge to your situation. Point your life in the right direction. Don't drink too much wine and get drunk. Don't eat too much food and get fat. Drunks and gluttons will end up on Skid Row in a stupor and dressed in rags. Now, let me point out here, this language that we're actually using is not exclusive to food. We're talking about all excess here. It says, buy truth and don't sell it for love or money, by wisdom, by education, and by insight. Now I wanna just pause and I wanna point out two words here. Those two words are love and money. <laughs> How often when we hear stories about a lack of self-control, do those stories come back to the topics of love or money? That happens all the time, right? That's that's the baseline of where we go awry in practicing self-control so often. It's because those two things are closely tied to our emotions. And when wisdom or knowledge applied to our particular situation is not used, then we tend to make Poor decisions in those areas. Now, we know that some self-control comes with age because we've lived through something. We've done something stupid and we thought, I am not going to do that again, right? But we also know that the fruit uh, that um, self-control is a fruit of the spirit. We see that in Galatians 5. I don't know about here at Hillcrest, but my kids. I've all learned the fruit of the spirit song, you know, the fruit of the spirit is not an orange or a peach or a pineapple or whatever fruit you wanna put in. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? So it falls under there. Self-control then is about the spirit working in our lives and the application of wisdom. And there are many factors that can impact this decision-making process when we're trying to apply self-control But we're just going to touch on three quick factors today and then i'm going to give you some hopefully helpful tips for um, addressing these factors so the three factors they are emotion analysis paralysis and then lack of input we've already established that emotions are closely tied to our spirits and so we're going to start there Now, have any of you ever parented a three-year-old through a temper tantrum? Let me see your hands here. Or maybe just experienced a three-year-old having a temper tantrum. If you have, then you probably appreciate the fact that it's really important to figure out how to get our emotions under control. This is a practice that we need to learn in our lives. And it's really easy to see it with them right? They're mad, they're sad, maybe somebody touched their favorite toy, and what do they do? They throw themselves as hard as they can against the floor, right? Did it help the situation? No, in fact, it it hurt them in the process. It didn't help the situation at all. That's obvious to us, but it's not always obvious when we as adults do the same kind of thing, (laughs) because it's not a physical thing usually. I hope not. That would be really unusual. So, Here's the deal about decisions and self-control, though. According to Harvard research, the typical person makes 2,000 decisions every waking hour. I hear the gasps. I gasped when I looked up this. Isn't that crazy? 2,000 decisions every hour. Now, think back over some of the worst decisions that you've ever made in your life. I know you don't want to go there. I don't either. But think back over those decisions. Were they made in emotional circumstances? As I bet many of them were. Often when we're driven by fear or desire or anger or joy or sorrow, we kind of make decisions that are the equivalent of throwing ourselves as hard as we can into the ground. We make poor decisions if we're not able to step back and process the emotions. You know, decisions without self-control and wisdom have heavier consequences as adults. So I think back over this one really fun lunch um, that we went to a few years back with a colleague, Jason was actually there with us, it was great. So this particular colleague uh, of ours um, really prided himself on being able to engage in friendly banter, like this was his thing. And it was like a little bit flirty, a little bit funny. And he was doing this with the waitress at. I was helping us out on our table. I, I can't look over here because I'll start laughing. So he had a comeback for everything this woman said, and she was not having it. And it could not have been more clear that she was not having it. His jokes were not funny to her. I don't know if she was having a bad day, but he persisted. And then It happened, you guys. Like, I at this point was trying to slip down in my chair and hoping that I could disappear under the table to escape this lunch, but it happened. The bill came. And he had a comeback for the bill. And then, he thinking that he's joking, but she taking him seriously, he asked for the manager to come to the table. And she went and got the manager. Now, if spontaneous combustion were a thing, I wish it would have happened to me, because... I did not want to be at that table anymore. But in this situation, and we have processed it later, like his pride would not let him let it go. He was emotionally tied to trying to build a relationship with this woman. And he kept trying and he kept trying. But again, there are repercussions for poor decisions and not managing our emotions in the moment right? And we've all done it. Instead of using Finding Nemo's Just Keep Swimming, we just keep digging deeper and deeper holes for ourselves like he did here. So here's my tip for this situation. When you are in in an emotionally laden situation, when you're making decisions, check your emotions. Kind of do an analysis of what are my emotions right now? Because if you're feeling fear, desire, anxiety, or pride, even love, check your emotions, do an assessment, pray about it, and then make the next move. Don't keep making your waitress feel really uncomfortable. (laughs) Assess it. Okay, so the second point that I want to go to is analysis paralysis. I really kind of just like the way that sounds, but this is a really valuable term uh, that I think we can all use on occasion when assessing our situations in order to apply self-control. So this is when you have so many things coming at you that you can't make smart, wise, self-controlled decisions. It just gets to be too much. And in these situations, often our emergency response systems take over and we make poor, quick decisions. And it manifests pretty differently in each of us. Um, I'm used to making lots of quick tend to be big decisions. I don't have a problem with that. However, I recently experienced analysis paralysis when I was in New York. My husband, uh, a few weeks back, was working in New York. And me and my three kids tagged along, and we had some free time. So I thought, oh my goodness, it would be so fun to go to a Yankees game. And I found $15 tickets to the Yankees game. So I was like, yes, score, this is going to be great. So I loaded up the kids. On the subway, we take him over to the Bronx to go to the Yankees game, and it was a beautiful night, cheap tickets, found some good food, and we won. And I say we lightly because I don't normally, you know, root for the Yankees, but when in Rome, you root for the Yankees, and we won that night. So we left feeling really good, but when we left, it was dark. It was pretty late at night, and we had to navigate the night subway in the Bronx which I had not done before. Like we stay in Astoria or Manhattan or something, but got to navigate the night subway. So after consulting with a houseless person about which train I should get on, they were very helpful, we hop on the train and I start doing my assessment of what's happening around me. Me and my three kids, nine, 11, 12. And so I look around and I realize there's a guy straight across from me and he's all slumped over in his seat and I can't tell if he's breathing. Now, if you've had a baby, you might have done this. If you've just like held your breath and tried to stay really still to make sure someone is breathing. I did this with this man. Held my breath. He moved. I was like, okay, he's breathing. Everything's fine. This is good. Then I check him out some more. He's got like a hospital bracelet on. He's got hospital socks on. He's got hospital slippers on. Clearly, this man is leaving the hospital. And then he has a bag next to him that has this suspiciously red substance in it. And i'm like well this is disturbing but okay so the next stop another guy gets on sits next to him and a different guy approaches him and starts a drug deal and so i'm assessing the situation and i'm like it's okay it's gonna be fine everything's still mostly under control so we move on the next stop another guy gets on only he gets on with this like giant walker and he doesn't want to walk around the subway train to get a seat so The guy who just finished his drug deal conveniently offers to wake up the sleeping man with the maybe blood next to him uh, to get him to move over so the guy with the walker can sit down. So he wakes up the sleeping man, and I kid you not, you guys, when the man sits up, his ear falls off into his lap, right? At this point... Like my brain is already just, I cannot process any more information right now. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And then my daughter, my middle, middle child, um, she's like a little bit louder than everybody else and a little antsy. And so she, she starts saying, mom, and I give her this death glare, like you do not talk to mom right now, right? She's like, mom, mom, and she keeps, and I'm trying to give her like the sternest look, like don't talk to me right now. She's like, Mom, and then I see her raise her hand and point across from her, and I'm like, Felicity, and she opens her mouth, and she says, a puppy, and I erupted in laughter, like I had a mental breakdown right there on that subway train, trying to process, like this man's ear just fell off, we witnessed a drug deal, uh, trying to make our way back from the Bronx on the night train, so Analysis paralysis. Um, It was hilarious. And I thought, gosh, I can't wait to get off this train. So we get off at the next stop, super relieved. We're going to take a break, and suddenly police start running towards us. And I'm like, oh, they're going to take care of the situation on the train. No, the train next to us had a drunk man with a boombox who is um, yelling out songs and getting up in everybody's space. So apparently, it was just a night on the night subway. But here's the thing. Sometimes we're going to encounter situations that are a little bit much. Hopefully it's not like this situation that we encountered in New York a couple weeks back, right? But there are going to be times when you have too much information coming at you to make a wise decision. And so instead of bursting out like I might have done to my middle child, which I had to apologize for later, um, you have to pause and come up with a plan. And my husband over here, he is an Enneagram 4, which is a creative type, but he has a strong 5 wing who is a thinker. And this man, no matter the situation, he has to analyze all of the factors. He has been going to McDonald's for 40 years, and he still has to look at every item on the menu before making a decision. Like, this is where we're at. But this is what he does, which I think is brilliant. He uses this. Just a minute, please. Can you say that with me? Just a minute, please. So... This is a really useful tool when we get into situations where we need to make decisions, but we need space to make those decisions. And I know it could be super weird. You know, a guy's ear falls off and you're like, just a minute, please, <laughs> I did figure it out. Or somebody offers to beat you up and you're like, dude, just a minute, please, like, we're to figure this out. Or maybe somebody um, who you're not married to comes up and you know, makes a comment about how you're the most gorgeous person they've ever seen, right? And you're like, do. Just a minute, please, because I got to figure out what to do next. I know it's weird, but weird or not, this actually works. It's, it's kind of about making space, putting a wall up around our emotions so we can pause and process with the Holy Spirit about what we're going to do next. James 119, it talks about quick to listen, but slow to response. Just a minute, please, is like at the heart of this. And remember, that wall of emotion, it gives you space to um, put walls around your emotion. Okay, last one. Hang in here with me. The last factor I'll touch on that can hinder self-control is a lack of input. You know this, I know this. We are not so great at analyzing our own emotions or breaking down how we are processing things and why we are processing them in emotionally-laden situations. I often think about that scripture in Matthew where Jesus talks about like removing the plank out of our own eye before we can remove the speck from somebody else's eye. Uh, We need counsel to work through certain situations that involve us. And scripture talks about seeking God's counsel um, and taking wise counsel from other people. Um, And sometimes we think we only need to do that in situations that could negatively impact us or our families or the community. Uh, but any circumstance could go bad if we haven't thought through things and processed things with the Holy Spirit. I was recently reading a book about church planting, and the pastor admitted that uh, he had this idea for a new church campus and got all excited about it. I mean, kind of barely prayed about it, didn't talk to his wife about it, didn't talk to the leadership team at his church about it, and just started talking about it with a wider audience. And the Holy Spirit quickened his heart and made him recognize like he had had not done appropriate work, gathered enough input, processed things enough in order to make a good decision about this, right? So even in situations where a new church plant could be amazing for the community, we still have to pause and gather input, okay? Imagine if we applied this logic to other interpersonal situations that could really go bad, situations where self-control was really needed and we didn't apply it, uh, we didn't gather input and it negatively impacted ourselves our families our communities we need quality consultants in our life to process our emotions process situations should everyone be somebody who can speak into your life absolutely absolutely not <laughs> we all have some friends who do not have common sense at all and would not throw up any flags if we we're about to make bad decisions so choose your con- counsel well process, pray with the Holy Spirit, but choose your counsel. So tip number three is stop, pray, and gather input. And here's the other component of that. Secrets are dangerous, friends. They are. So if we are processing things with other people, we will avoid secrets, and that's easier to stay in that realm of self-control if there's no secrets and other people are helping keep us accountable. So that's your three tips for today. When in decision making, Processes or situations, which is about 2,000 times an hour. It's a lot. Check your emotions. Just a minute, please. And then stop, pray, and gather input. You know, there's an interesting factor about the Hebrew understanding of wisdom. And this knowledge and action have always been connected. Those things combined together are what make that reality of wisdom And wisdom is different than this idea of knowledge in that it is deeply connected to how we live. Because you can be really smart and you can live really stupid. Like we all know people who are really smart and they just make dumb decisions again and again and again. But wisdom in the Hebrew tradition is about people who know things and that makes a difference in how they live their life. Wisdom is connected to the fabric of living. And that matters. So the challenge for us today is to apply wisdom to the circumstances that impact our spirits and emotions to start establishing walls of protection around our emotions. As Proverbs says, may we invest in truth, wisdom, instruction, and insight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is not always easy to make really good decisions, but we ask that as we head out into this world, may you empower the Holy Spirit in our lives to speak to us. May you give us wise counsel, people who we can confide in and process things with. Lord, may you remind us when we're in these emotionally laden situations to say, hey, just a minute, please, to step back and process things using your gift of self-control. May we apply that knowledge to our lives and have the output be wisdom, wise decisions. God, go with us this week. Go with us throughout this month, and may we have a positive impact on our communities. In Jesus' name, amen.